Support for this episode comes from eBay. Whether it's a holy grail pair of sneakers, head-turning handbags, or one genuine wardrobe staple. If you're always on the hunt for that one wardrobe staple you just gotta have, eBay gets it. Nothing's more important than the real deal. When you shop on eBay, all you have to do is look out for that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be verified authentic through a detailed inspection. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Live back in action on the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, BAM Live, rolling on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. I am Chris Perfett, adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Very simple. It's the same as the name, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Joining me as always, the fearless leader, Jeremy Reisman at Detroit Online, managing editor of Pride of Detroit. Um, we got our angst out of the way early on the post game show. Look for that on the podcast feeds. We always put those up on the P on the podcast feed along with the POD cast. Uh, Jeremy, how are we doing here? Especially since we're already down a rock God hiding from a tornado. Yeah. Uh, and then thoughts out to him. Hopefully everything <laughs> works out with, with Ryan over there, but, uh, I'm doing okay. You know, um, 0-4 is not exactly where I was hoping this team would be, but it's also not all that surprising. And, uh, you know, the, the injuries keep mounting up for the Lions, which is probably the most heartbreaking part of all of this. But, um, you know, not I don't know. Th- this game was a lot of things that aren't that surprising and uh, and a couple things that are. So we'll, we'll get into it. So I, I think I, I think I made mention of this on the on the postgame show, but while we'll, we'll rehash this, my thought is that this is a lot of what we saw from the Lions before. And yet going into this game, I think there was this intention that, okay, well, they look pretty close. So they've got to get one here eventually. And the Bears look on the wrong side of, of doing right. right. And I don't think we really considered too much. The alternative was that a lot of these things can go also just go completely batshit wrong for the Detroit Lions, which they did, especially in the red zone today. And I think that's the ultimate factor when you're lo- when you're leaving i don't know how many how many, how many points are we going to say they left on uh, in the red zone there 21 i mean two two turnovers and two turnover on downs inside the the bears's 10 yard so line. more that's, that's wow, not a great yeah that's at least i mean if you want to just kick field goals all four of those times and sure that's an extra 12 points you want to score a touchdown all those times like the lions had basically done in every red zone trip prior to this game then yeah that's 28 points and i think that's why I think today there's more anger than hope than anything else. Like last, last week, obviously there's, there's a lot of reason for hope this week. It's more anger and frustration with golf, with the coaching staff, because all those, all that potential was right on the doorstep lines were were less than 10 yards away, four different times and came away with zero points. All those times. The the good side of, of golf. I also think came a little too late. Like golf has very much so been in these games, Jekyll and Hyde, like hot, cold, and the hot came, you know, usually has come late in these games. It came way too late this time. Yeah. It came way too late. And once again, it kind of came 
also at some frustrating decisions compounding with those red zone woes when you're on fourth and one. I think a lot of fans look at the decision for Goff to drop back again for probably what was like the seventh straight time and he doesn't convert. And I think most people at home are seeing God fourth and fourth and a few feet. Why aren't you just running the football? Jamal Williams has been great in this game. And that's part of the mounting frustration. It's part of golf. It's part of that. As much as I think people love going for it on fourth down, you, they want to at least see one of those actually get converted. And yeah. That's, but that's just the bad side of the dice roll sometimes too. And well, yeah, this and isn't see them cope out of me. This was uh, an awful game <clears throat> for my emotion, but at the same time, like it's what we've seen so far out of the lions in, in four games. And and I think you put it nicely there with roll of the dice here because this is a team that's just not very good on either side of the ball right now. So in order to win, you got to roll the dice. You got to hope that that you know I don't know what what's a good roll of the dice. Snake eyes is the bad. What's a good one? Seven. I have. I'm too tired. <laughs> to, I my I, I am I am off an overnight. You're asking me to play craps. But it, the the overall point being that. Yeah, like maybe a normal team that can get some stops on defense that can score points on other drives. Maybe they kick that field goal towards the end of the day because they're confident mm-hmm. in their offense going down and scoring a touchdown and their defense standing up and making a stop. The Lions can't have that confidence because they're not that good of a team. And and this is, you know, ever since our, our, our post game show, I've, I've went back and listened to Dan Campbell's confident con, uh, press conference. And he's basically he basically said as much like last week. Maybe I would have kicked a field goal there because our defense was playing pretty well. Our offense was kind of on a roll, but you know, maybe I kick a field goal there like they did in the, in that game. They, they, did, they don't go for a touchdown. They kick the field goal because he believes in their defense. Well, this time Lions defense was not playing well in this game. It's the reason why they went for it on fourth and five earlier in that game. They were already down 14, nothing in that game. And he just had a feeling, a gut feeling. And, and maybe that's where I kind of shoo off from Campbell a little bit. In these last two weeks, he said some of these decisions he make, they're gut feelings. They're based on what he feels in the moment. And that, you can, get, you can get carried away there. But this week, his gut feeling matched up with the analytics. And, and it all made sense to me. Like, this defense was playing really, really bad. You knew you were going to have to score some touchdowns. You knew you were going to have to score some points. And so he tried early in the game. Didn't work. Tried late in the game. I know a lot of people think that's a toss up. You want to make it a one score game. You got an easy field goal there. But to me, it's fourth and less than a one, less than one, very high percentage play. 70, more than 75% of teams converted on fourth and one or less last year. Um, your offense is cooking at that point. They're, they're finally getting into some sort of a rhythm. They're finally scoring some points, you know. And it, I don't know, like you, you've, you've gotten that far down already. I think going forward in both situations was the correct call. And and the one thing that Campbell took back, and I think it, this is something we can all agree, and you mentioned it, like, if you're fourth and one, maybe throwing the ball isn't the right case there. No, is not the right when it's Jared Goff. I, I, I know Jared Goff was kind of heating up. He's going to finish this game with, like, the box score for Jared Goff is kind of crazy sometimes when we have to look at it because right. he threw for almost 300 yards in this game. But at and the same right time, over like, 100. Yeah, but at the same great, time, Chris. like, I'm I'm sorry, but I'm watching him <laughs> throw over throwing receivers by like twice their height yeah. down the field. It, it, it gets it gets mind boggling sometimes. And then, yeah, like the, the Bears knew you you've been dropping back a lot and you're and you're going you're you're emptying out your backfield on on these pass plays like they know what you're doing. So the coverage is there for them. Like and again, as many of 
many fans have pointed out in that time, Jamal Williams was a beast in this game. He was like, like, and I think a lot of fans are asking, why didn't you just hand him the ball at least a, at least once on that drive? Yeah. And I know the clock is the situation. I know the clock is a situation. Sure. But when you need just one yard, like why not? Yeah. And and that's the one regret that Dan Campbell said. And, and it's one I, I like, if there's one thing that he needs to be criticized for, it's that fourth down play late in the game, fourth and one, the lines rushed to the line. They were in an obvious passing formation. They passed the ball. They needed a half a yard, like a, a, a QB sneak picks that up 90% of the time. It feels like. And, and so he said specifically after, after the game, that's on me. I just think we need to huddle and give them a play call. That's a little more fourth down oriented, fourth and short, fourth and a yard. Absolutely. A hundred percent. But he even admitted, and he's also right that the play call wasn't even that bad. He had an open Amon Ross St. Brown. He had an open Quintus Cephas over the, the center. It, it's just the lines aren't good enough. The lines aren't good enough. They aren't good enough yeah, to and- execute. And so that's why you take risks and the risks look bad. But, you know, you kick a field goal here and then your defense did what it did on the last drive of the game. I'm going to get more on the clock. I'm going to get I'm going to get to more of Jared Goff because you also mentioned that his he had multiple reads there, but his read progression was also not there either. But I'm going to set him aside because I think we, we will talk about him in the next segment. Um Overall, though, and I know it's not going to be a popular topic in Detroit this week, but I like the aggression. Like you can't sit here and look at that, that you're on the losing side of that. And then Monday morning quarterback it. you either believe in that philosophy or you don't like it. It's, yeah. it's what and I've even seen some other people who have like sat down, thought it over and said, all right, yeah, it was the right decision. You're just going to get the right outcome. And at the end of the day, as you say, like they made the bears look good. The bears who had like one net passing yard last week against the Cleveland Browns, the lions just didn't perform on defense in this game. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but like once again, not, not a lot of pressure on, on Justin Fields. You let him sit back in that pocket and throw on you. And a part of that is, is again, you're not that good. You're not that good. There's a lot of talk about Bobby Price in this in this game, but guess what? Like Bobby Price is play has played, I think, so far above and beyond right now. And in this game, he finally looked like what he is, which is someone who was on the practice squad last year who has converted from safety to cornerback. Two months ago. Two, two months, two months ago made that conversion. Yeah. And you're asking him to go out there. And David Montgomery is on the ground in this game, pounding you as well, too. That that to me was the more concerning development is because we were all talking last week about, hey, this run they defense bottled up Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. And and looked pretty good against the run for most of that game. I know five point whatever a carry against Baltimore and a hundred and so yards, but like that's Baltimore's running game. That's that's their bread and butter. And you had to imagine that's what the game plan was gonna be this week against the Bears. Like they they saw the disaster that was their passing game last week, so you knew they were gonna come out and run. Lines got gashed. And then once you get gashed, the game is over because then the Bears concede that success through the air because they can run some play action. They can keep you on, on your heels. And they jump out to that 14-0 lead. And man, yeah, that it opens it opens the playbook to Justin Fields, who once again yeah. isn't getting pressured. The whole reason he had one net yard last year is be about last week was because he was getting pressured, because that's mm-hmm. always been his weakness coming out of college, is that he doesn't have great vision of the of pressure coming in the when he's in the pocket. Yeah. Lions didn't challenge him on that front. They didn't look at that game plan. And they lost that. That was a large reason they lost because of it. Yeah. I mean, they, they, 
And it, it, I mean, it all works together, right? If you get, if you stop the run on first and second down, suddenly you're in obvious passing downs, then you can pin your ears back and, and you can pressure Justin Fields. The Lions did get a couple opportunities and pressure J- Justin, oh my gosh, Fields uh, a couple times and it worked. But it, the, the problem is that they just didn't get into that situation enough. They, they were getting gashed too often. And yeah, when I'm... you're in second and twos and third and twos and, I mean, I feel like this is actually a pretty good third down defense. The problem is they just don't get themselves into a lot of good third downs. They also need to work on their tackling a little bit. Still a lot of mistackling going on, but that's that's been a problem for a while. But as we are going to eventually, as we are going to break down the offense and the defense coming up here in a second, like they just don't have the personnel to do that. And I think that a lot of people mad about this game are mad because A, I mean, God, Jeremy, everyone thought the Lions were going to beat the Bears because the Bears looked that bad last week. Yep. This was supposed to be the death knell for Matt Nagy. This was supposed to be the Lions are going to sign the walking papers. The Bears lose the god awful Lions. How dare they? This was the end. And the narrative just didn't go that way. But you I know mean, what? Hey, maybe maybe we're playing four dimensional chess. Maybe this this is the game that keeps Matt Nagy in Chicago. No, it's not. I, I, I can dream, though. What couple couple things? One, yeah, I was absolutely right about the Lions' third down defense. The the Bears converted one of eight third downs in this game. So yeah. if the Lions can just get into third downs, <laughs> they're not a bad defense. The problem is they're horrible on first and second down. Second of all, it's just the danger of week to week thinking, right? Like mm-hmm. the Lions are coming off a pretty good performance against the Ravens. The Bears are really bad against the the Browns, who, by the way, pretty darn good team. The Browns, they just. They held another team. They they like they they held they points. held Minnesota to seven to points. seven points. It was yeah. a defensive uh, handstand and, there. And and a, you know a second ago we were talking not me but some people some people were saying Kirk Cousins was some an MVP people. candidate and uh, <laughs> and that all got erased. Don't put that on me. Don't put that on me. I would. But my overall show. point and and it, and we need to bring it to the discussion because I feel like there's way overreaction in the other direction now. Is that week to week things change? You you look good one week, you look bad another week. It doesn't mean you're a good yeah, team. It, doesn't mean you're a bad that's team. Always been the we've been covering this team. We've been doing this podcast now for six years, and right. I I swear to God we fall victim to it too. Like oh, we swing 100%. a little bit, but yeah. like the NFL is such a random ass league that I just don't feel comfortable. It's I mean we have to deliver opinions, but half the time until we hit the halfway point of the, of the year. I don't feel comfortable right. <laughs> trying to judge a team. Listen, and and I think we can all agree this team is bad, but this team isn't going to go zero and seventeen. Like I'll I'll scream it at the top of the mountains. They're not going to go zero and seventeen. Like they're bad on offense, they're bad on defense. They've shown improvements in some areas, and then they took a step back one week. Like that's just how it works. Sometimes you're not always going to be the best run defense or get better every 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 single week. No, it's just not how it works. Sometimes a team makes a good game plan against you. Sometimes you make a bunch of errors in the red zone. It's going to be okay. Like the this best team isn't going to make the playoffs. In, I'm not going to tell you this team is going to go, you know, eight, and nine, anything crazy like that, but it's going to be okay. Like this isn't, this isn't a disaster. It's, it's yeah, not look, a great I game. Picked, I picked this. T- I picked this club to finish with three wins. Like I, I mean, four. yeah, <laughs> up in the round there, but that's, that's what yeah. we're expecting at this point. And that's part of what a rebuild is. I had some people like saying like, Oh, but rebuild such an easy excuse. No, this is different. Like, Jim Schwartz, when he got fired, that wasn't to go into a rebuild. Right. Jim Caldwell getting fired, that wasn't to go into rebuild. To, yeah, this to is build on top of it was what to keep building. This is new. 
this is new for a lot of lions fans and i think i think that's part of like what's happening with the fandom is like yeah they're not used to processing this right now they're not used to processing that everything has collapsed the entire like we might need five different five different positions on defense are draft needs right now to say nothing of quarterback or wide receiver there is so much work that has to be done and it's such a long and we've still got four like 13 more games ahead of us too and and the one thing i'll say is like when matt patricia was brought in it certainly wasn't viewed as a rebuild because they're they're coming off back-to-back nine and seven seasons but he kind of rebuilt the roster sure but 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 it was a different kind of rebuild right it was a cultural rebuild he brought in a bunch of veterans that he was comfortable with it wasn't like let's cut all these guys and get all of this these new rookies in that's what this is now though they're cutting all their veterans they're 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 trading guys away they're trying to trade guys away they're they're playing these incredibly young guys which is not at all what matt patricia was doing so you're right this is a completely new kind of rebuild that we really haven't seen since i don't know like oh and 16 like really like that the season after that where you get a new quarterback you get a whole new yeah i mean this is it was still a a work in progress in oh nine like but again we haven't the point is that you haven't seen this in over a decade detroit and i get that no other detroit team is good right now so maybe people are impatient because they don't have the outlet to go see wins but um Hey, if you're rooting for the tank, by the way, this was a great week for you because I think the Jets picked up a win. The Giants picked up a win. Uh, Jaguars are still winless, but Urban Meyer is out in Columbus grinding on some uh, some ladies out there. Allegedly, I don't think we've confirmed confirmed that video yet. But uh, hey, you know, you're in a good spot right now. And uh, I'll I'll save Jeremy the draft talk because I can see his ears starting to pop a little bit. What we I are going to do what just I mean, besides draft talk, the, the thing you can hope for for the rest of the season and, and given what I think this coaching staff has done most of the time through this first quarter of the season is improve players week by week. And I think in general, we have seen week by week improvements, not not across the board, certainly. And, and this week might have been a step back, but I do think most of the coaches are still doing a pretty good job. And so I think that's something that can carry you over if you're like me and don't want to talk about the draft yet. Think no, I, I but I mean, you, you brought this up. You brought this up, I think, in the first week that me and Ryan were kind of reacting with the positives and you were kind of like pushing back against that a little bit because you wanted to see it. But I don't think I've seen that like the, this team is still have yet to show it's quit. Now, it's still yep. an early season, but they're and they're now dealing with a lot of injuries now, apparently. Yep. But they're still showing that they're trying to be adaptive and they they're not they, they don't want to be completely out of these games. They want to keep trying to fight. And that's commendable. And sure. for, for better or worse, mm. these are who you are for the long run because of these six the six year contract. Like I'm I'm, I'm 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 baffled by the people who are trying to call for Campbell's job after three games, four games. I get my my only retort there would be like if you're already seeing quit on this team four weeks into the season that would be a huge, huge red flag. The mm-hmm. fact that you're not seeing it in four weeks, the regular season so far, that's like, okay, better. I better not. We're only four weeks into, the, <laughs> into this regime. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. When we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, we'll, we'll cast our gaze upon the offense. We've mentioned Jared Goff a little bit more. I think me and Jeremy might clash heads about where he is. We also want to talk about the run game and uh, a little bit of hype for the wide receivers. I know I just said wide receiver might be a draft need, but um, 
there's one or two guys who I think have stood out from the pack, and I think they deserve those accolades. We'll talk about that, and yes, some injury news later on in the show here as we continue along on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Support for this episode comes from eBay. Whether it's a holy grail pair of sneakers, head-turning handbags, or one genuine wardrobe staple. If you're always on the hunt for that one wardrobe staple you just gotta have, eBay gets it. Nothing's more important than the real deal. When you shop on eBay, all you have to do is look out for that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, and you'll know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be verified authentic through a detailed inspection. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. And welcome back to the Pride of Detroit PODcast. Let's turn our gaze from this on this game over to the offensive side of the ball. There are three main key points I think we want to talk about. I want to continue... I want to set aside, I should say, our conversation on Jared Goff. We'll come back to that in a second because I feel like, do you want to do that now or do you want to talk about the run game? What what do you feel? Dealer's choice. You know, let's kick this segment off with something positive and talk about the run game. Let's talk about the run game. Now, you say positive. I think there is a big caveat to that, as always. But the run game remains the one, I think, bright point for uh, for this Lions roster. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, Jamal Jamal Williams, and, and maybe this is where some people have a point of contention, but Jamal Williams continues to get the early looks in this game, continues to start every game, but he earned it. And the one thing that Lions coaches have said, and, and Dustaley has said this, is they're going to ride the hot hand in a game. If, if someone is running and it's working, they're going to continue to give him the rock, and that's what they did in the first half. Jamal Williams got 12 carries for 57 yards in the first half, averaging 4 eight a carry. That's what you want to see out of your running back. That's what they went with, and it was working a lot better than Swift. Swift had six carries in the first half, 12 yards, average two yards a carry. Jamal just has such good vision to see what the offensive line is giving him and where the gaps are. Like He's getting to those to that second level pretty, pretty yeah. regularly. He's not messing around. He's just downhill he's running. Downhill running, and he's finding the gaps, and that's all you really need to do. Um it's funny because you mentioned DeAndre Swift, and I feel like this is where the fly gets in the ointment a little bit because the coaching sure. staff has said that they considered in this game DeAndre Swift to be their starting running back. And look, I, I think at this point, DeAndre Swift, there's value to him in that he is a pass-catching running back. He actually was fairly active. He, I think he had four targets on, I'm at four receptions on six targets, averaged about eight yards per reception. So like he's got a lot of value there, but like when you need for what we're talking about with Jamal Williams to go in the trenches and get you yards, DeAndre Swift did not appear in this game at all. He did not. He did. He had he had eight carries for 16 yards. That ain't going to cut it. No, and it's not. Especially when Jamal Williams is there giving you that positive competition that he likes to talk about. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's interesting because you're right. Like the, the Lions have been talking up Swift a lot in the last two weeks. Last week, it was we got to get him more involved in the passing game early. This week, it was Swift has shown us enough in these first three weeks that, that we need to get him more involved. And they didn't. And it kind of, I mean, 
it seems kind of warranted. It wasn't a great day for Swift. He he wasn't breaking any tackles, and especially in the running game. And, and we really haven't seen that out of him all season. He hasn't been breaking a lot of tackles in the run game. I'm with you, though. He's still very much a weapon in the passing game, but the Lions have to figure out more ways to get him the ball there because it seems like teams are starting to key in on him, starting to key in on TJ Hawkinson. And so really the only thing that is consistently working right now with the offense is Jamal Williams. And so I don't I don't necessarily view it as a problem that he's been getting these starts because he's performing well. He's he's proving them right by those decisions now. DeAndre Swift is is the more dynamic back. He's he's the more you know, home run hitter. He's a guy that that can potentially give you instead of, you know, the the 5 to 15 yarders that Jamal Williams is giving you, he can get you those 20 to to 40 yarders. But we haven't seen it yet. And so yeah, and I it's my worry my worry is that if if like you keep riding that hot hand on Jamal Williams, teams are going to start knowing what you're going to do with the with the running back you put on the field. They're going to know that Swift is better as a pass catcher. So if we're sure. playing Swift out there, they're going to look for Swift in in as as the dump off. Whereas if it's Jamal Williams out there, it's like all right, this guy's going to come right up the middle. Right, and that's like, that's you, a problem. You got to that, not be predictable on that front. That's the problem that we we got in last year, right? Like Swift right. was the obvious guy that they basically anytime Adrian Peterson was in the game, we knew what exactly was coming. It's the, the old theoretic problem. Right. But the, the difference here is that the lions for the first time in, in whenever and, and, and bless Anthony Lynn's heart, they're putting two running backs out there at once. Finally, finally. So it, it, it's giving <laughs> at least a little bit of like, I think, I still think Anthony Lynn is doing a fantastic job. I know now that that said putting two running backs out there, Another problem for DeAndre Swift. He's not good in pass protection. True. Very true. And that was exposed a ton in this game. And that's something that Jamal Williams is very good in, which again, like that's that's why he's probably getting a lot of these early game luxes. He's doing everything that he need that that they're asking them to do and doing it really, really well. I can't say the same for DeAndre Swift yet. So we've said a lot of good about Jamal Williams. I think a lot of fans are now going to raise their hand and say, okay, that's cool, but where was he in the second half? But again, now we're getting into the problem where the Lions are down bad and they need to throw the ball a lot. Yep. That, so. I mean, that's it. I mean, the the I don't I don't know where else you, you find rushing uh, attempts early in that game. I and mean, they only ran the ball five times in the second half. I mean, and one of those was a golf scramble, which was actually a fumble. So literally only four rushing attempts in the second half from your running backs. That's not good. That's certainly not what the Lions want to be, and certainly not how they're going to win games. We, I think we all agree we know what the Lions want to be. They want to be this rushing team that, that, that tires defenses out by the fourth quarter, and they're just cramming Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift down your throat for all four quarters, but they can't be that team when your defense sucks. They can't be that team when you turn the ball over twice in the red zone. They can't be that team when, you're, when your offense doesn't close out and score points in the first half. And so you're left with kind of this imbalanced team where they're, we know what their identity, what they, they want their identity to be, but they can't get there because of the rest of their damn team. Are you a new, new topic? Are you worried about TJ Hawkinson getting shut down by opposing defenses? You made mention of it earlier and he, he kind of had a whatever day, eight, eight targets, four receptions on those targets, 42 yards long of 22. So I mean, do your favorite thing, take away the long and not a great average. Well, I mean, if your long is eight yards, I mean, oh no, you're 22 yards. Sorry. 22 um, yards. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, even four yards and 42 is not what you need out of TJ Hawkinson. You need, you need 80, 90 yards that you were getting in the first two games of the season. But I, I mean, 
I don't think Hawkinson was doing a particularly good job getting off of his coverage in this game. I think the I think what was interesting is the Bears countered with a, a corner a lot of time. There was a lot of times a, a corner opposite him instead of a safety or linebacker, and that's obviously going to be a tougher matchup for for TJ. Um, but you know this this is the problem that I was concerned about all offseason. Is like when you have TJ Hawkinson as your kind of one and only threat, the defenses are going to take away that one threat and challenge you to have someone else step up and make a play. And for the first three quarters of this game, the person who stepped up in TJ Hawkinson's absence was nobody. Nobody. Like, maybe a catch here there for Quintus Cephas, but, and, and we'll talk a little about some of the good things that, that came from the, the receiving core, but it all came in the second half. I mean, the, the first half, yeah. I'm looking. Cephas had two catches. Amonra, St. Brown had two catches, and that's it. Yeah, Is it? no, I, it all came in the second half. And that's, I think, where the wide receivers kind of came a little bit. As you said, Quintus Cephas, obviously the, your, your yards leader for the day with 83. But Khalif Raymond was the one with the two touchdown grabs. Yeah. And Amon Ross St. Brown, I think, finally came off that milk carton, started showing up in the game. Even though, again, I think he's just, he's struggling to pull down some of those passes from Jared Goff a lot in the game. And he was covered well, I think, in this game, too. He was. But yeah, I mean, rookie, yeah, I mean, rookie wide receiver, he's got to get used to being covered by someone like the Bears defense. It's it's a tricky situation, right? Because when you're up, when you're down 21 to nothing, the Bears are obviously going to drop their coverage a little bit. They're going to give these guys a little bit more breathing room. And Goff took it to, to Goff's credit. Mm-hmm. Like there was a stretch in that third and fourth quarter where Goff looked pretty darn good. And he was taking everything the Bears were giving him. And he was getting good chunks of 15, 20 yards. And the receivers were were doing their jobs there. But how much of that is the Bears playing defense, how much pre- prevent defense, how much of that is Jared Goff and the receivers actually getting open? It, it's hard for me to judge because these guys aren't doing it early in games. Right. And so I need to see those guys do it early in games because they weren't. They, I, there was that one play where Jared Goff scrambled and, and made a really good pass, and I think it was to Cephas that got them into a first and goal situation. It was an awesome play from Jared Goff. And then they showed the wide angle to, you know, the, the Tlaib look or whatever they called it. Um, and... You you watched and you watched and you watched and the entire time I'm looking at all the receivers I'm like no wonder he's scrambling around and, and trying to figure something nobody's out. There's open. nobody open. There's nobody's nobody open. open. There's until Chicago's, the very last Chicago's line ba- Sh- Chicago he, linebackers in coverage were doing a great job today. Yeah, linebackers, corners, everybody, and and maybe I underrated the Bears secondary a little bit because Jalen Johnson is also is if it's, is very good and it's it's a young secondary, but they 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 were bottling up this this offense especially in the passing game early on and it was it was tough to watch it was tough to watch and i do and you know i i do like that they got Khalif Raymond involved late and i do think his speed in, is is an asset to this team I, I think that that touchdown pass where you know they sent him in motion and then once the snap came he went right back in the other motion and just beat everybody with his speed that's a well-designed play that's a smart play of course that's only a play for three yards a three-yard touchdown um, but yeah, like this team is going to have to change, you know, somehow challenge someone downfield and outside of TJ Hawkinson, I don't think they have a guy that can challenge downfield until Tyrell Williams comes back from his concussion. Yeah. Um, I think we've waited long enough to rip this bandaid off about Jared Goff, right? Yeah, sure. So you brought this up and I had completely, you, you like keeping the receipts around here. So feed me the receipt that you had about Jared Goff. <laughs> Well, since it seems like everyone has made up their mind about Jared Goff at this point, not everybody, but a lot of people have, 
Um, one thing to that I think is a nice thing to look back in hindsight is you guys, uh, and by you guys, I mean you and Ryan, had a podcast back in the uh, schedule release days. And one of the like questions, you, you were doing like a little questions game. One of the questions was, at mm-hmm. what point in the season will we be able to know whether Jared Goff is the dude or not? And if I'm not mistaken, y'all said Thanksgiving, which is still quite, we I mean, we're still a month and a half away from We that. did say Thanksgiving. Are you, are you still feeling the same? Here's the thing is like, I feel like, A, if the trend upward is going to come from Jared Goff, it's got to come pretty soon. B, it's been the same story out of Jared Goff each of these games. Yeah. And that's like, I'm not, I haven't written my complete book on Jared Goff yet, but I can't fault anyone who's like, maybe tired after three games. I get it. But I, I I will say in Jared Goff's defense, we've talked a lot about how his main weapon is now everyone's keyed in on it. He has no supporting run game that is consistent through the game, through the day. Again, you look back at when those Rams teams were good. It was always because he had a supporting run game and Todd Gurley before Todd Gurley fell off the, the shelf, but that allowed him to do play action and to not get, pressured as much and good, but like just there's there's so many uh, like that all is more is accepted warranted granted uh, he's just not going through his reads man he's not going through his reads and it's happening every game he's he's doing first read or check down real fast there's plenty of guys who are open deeper i think there was like one play where it was like was it raymond and it was Amon Ra, or it might have been Cephas and Amon Ra. I, I, my, my memory is fried. I'm sorry. I've been working off overnights again. Um, and he just didn't see the other, whoever he threw it to one of them and he just never saw the other one wide open because he just, that wasn't part of his read progression. It's just, it's, it's, it's a little rough out there. And I feel like we're getting Jekyll and Hyde by him every game. And I think, as I said in the first segment, the good is starting to come later and later in games. And that's going to be the killer. Most of anything is like you just need someone consistent. I still think he's the better option right now than, you know, immediately blowing this up and like, I don't know, putting in David Blau or something crazy like that, which I don't think that's realistic at all. So for, for better or worse, he's still the quarterback. I I think he's going to have some easier games to deal with. He just we just ran into a bears defense that was hungering after getting humiliated uh, in to start this year. And well, yeah, I mean, and even though the bears got a good defense Let's, and, yeah, and honestly, yeah. like you look down the line of, of everyone, the lines have played, you know, Ravens got a good defense 49ers on paper, have a pretty good defense. Even the Packers defense c- can be good at times. So they haven't exactly had a easy plays, reign of I, games. Yeah. And he plays well when you're behind, which is a skill. I just think I would like to see him play well to, to, get those leads and hold on to them too, which obviously the lions haven't had a lot of opportunities to do that. There's going to be some more opportunities. And I think the reason why I had said Thanksgiving is looking at that schedule. They're like, okay, Rams is Rams and Steelers. Both those games are going to hurt, but there's some other defenses. Rams, Rams sure Steelers. <laughs> we're, 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 we're reevaluating the Steelers right now. Browns, I think that's going to hurt. Browns are a hellacious defense. Browns are, but um, there's other teams on there that should prove like chances for you to get some targets. And again, a lot of those games result predicated on those on those fourth down decisions and just the inability to convert. 
convert some of those. And we're talking to probably a different story on Jared Goff. No question. Even if you just convert some of the early ones, so you aren't in that 24, 21, nothing hole where mm-hmm. like suddenly golf has got to play hero ball. And I don't know how many times I have to say it on this podcast. The lines are not built to play hero ball. They're not built. No. Jared Goff is not built to play hero ball. They, they, they have no interest in playing hero ball where they have to throw it 30 times in the second half. That's not how this team is going to win games. And unfortunately it's been the situation they've been in, in three out of their four games. The only thing I'll say on Jared Goff is I think the one thing I am certain of, he's just not a long-term uh, uh, commitment for them. Maybe they have, they probably have a lot more faith in them than I do, but I don't see him. La- I would, I would think we, I mean, I think that was like that. That's we, what we all assumed though. He's just not going to last more than like a year or two on his contract after this. I, yeah, I mean, they're, they're probably locked into him for next year for sure. Um, sure. Whether he's going to be the starter or not, that's, that's up for debate, but mm-hmm. My my overall thoughts on Jared Goff in this game are are mixed because, I mean, it's mostly bad. The I, the one thing I'm surprised about is the inaccuracies. Like he had that that seam. He was on Clay overthrowing for, guys. For he was overthrowing. Touchdown. Yeah, TJ a lot of and overthrows. And and granted, like again, there there isn't these these receivers are not creating a lot of space. So I think the thought process there for Goff is let me put it in a place where either my guy is going to get it or no one is going to get it. Problem is no one can get it where he's throwing it. So it's not even, yeah, it's he's not, not even he's there. not creating, he's not trying to create, he's, I will give him this. He's not making a lot of turnover worthy throws out there. Right. Yeah. And I think that's by design. I think that's, that's why you're seeing him overthrow guys. It's why you're seeing these, these things that are just out of the reach of the receivers because he's, he's, he's being risk averse that, I mean, that's, that's how you, that's that word risk averse can describe Jared Goff in a nutshell. And unfortunately he's still turning the ball over yeah. fumbles, but, <laughs> but one of the weirdest fumbles I've seen in a while. Right. Right. And I don't know if he gets credit to that for not, but either way, like I the, think that's the other, right now. the other point I was going to say is like, is the other thing you were talking about the reads him, him not progressing through his reads him, him locking in on one thing. Part of me wants to believe that's just something that's going to come. You know, it's a new offense for him. It's new receivers. It's bad receivers. He hasn't developed trust with anybody yet. The problem with that theory, though, is these are the same problems he was having in, in Los Angeles. These are yes. the things that the, that the Rams kicked him out of town for, is that he locked on to his number one and two receivers. And he had better receivers in L.A., and it, and it still yeah, he wasn't had Cooper working. Cup. Yeah, And so he would lock onto his first read. If it wasn't there, he would check down. And now teams are starting to take away those check down options. They're starting to take away your DeAndre Swifts, your TJ Hawkinson. And you're left with what? You're left with Goff trying to force things in, into tight windows. And he's just not good enough quarterback to do that. I thought he was a little more accurate than he showed today. But um, it's just, it's not working right now. And I don't blame necessarily coaches. I don't, I I mean, it, the the blame goes everywhere, right? Like sure. protection wasn't very good in this game either. So Goff had to force some throws. He was feeling the pressure on that fourth and one that he overthrew to Amon R. St. Brown that he probably could have stepped into and completed. Um, you know, receivers are an issue. Lions getting behind is an issue. All these things are an issue. And it's, it's, I think we, we always have to reiterate how bad of a scenario he's in right now because he's on a team that, that can't play defense, which means he always got it. He always has to play from behind. He's now dealing with a beat up offensive line. He's now dealing with a horrible receiving core. It's just a tough situation for anyone to pull themselves out of. But at the same time, golf isn't helping. He isn't no, helping the situation. Like the fact not, that they're not, not converting on all these red zone opportunities, kind of his fault too. And yeah, so I mean, even some of even that fourth and one, like that, that wasn't, I mean, I, I'm killing it because it wasn't a run 
a rush on that thing, but like that wasn't a bad play. That wasn't no. a, a bad design play there, and he just didn't yeah, put it home. He can't put it home there. Same thing as the Packers game. Exact same. It's like it's yeah. same route, same down and distance, same open receiver, and golf missed him both times. And so, if you want to complain about going for it on fourth and one, maybe that's your argument: is that golf has mm-hmm. proven he can't play in those big moments. But it's it's you know it's a lose lose situation because you're either putting the game. In the defensive <laughs> hand, by, by kicking a field goal, which we I think we can all agree the defense did not look good in this game, or you're putting in their offense offense's handball, and they've been the better unit for the year, but they obviously had a lot of struggles towards you know, as they got closer to the yeah. to the end zone there. So do or die, die or die. It's a bad it's a bad situation, but so are all the alternatives, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. I guess that maybe keeps him towards Thanksgiving in my book. I just the prognostication for me just still isn't great, is what I'm going to say. But yeah, I agree. Um, you mentioned the defense. We're going to have to go there. And we've we've danced around the offensive line. There's a lot of injuries from this game. We're going to talk about their impact because that's the hell part of this whole game. The injuries are brutal here. And that's what's going to hurt this team more than anything as they try more to win losses get, for sure. More than pro, like, you know, more than losses, more than trying to play for pride or anything like that. These injuries are going to really put the Lions behind the eight ball. We'll discuss all of them when we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once in a lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Wrapping up the Friday Detroit POD cast for Bears Lions here in the start of October. Um, we've talked a lot about the offense. I want to move over to the defense. Tail of the game, Jeremy, is still just youth inexperience and lack of depth. Um, I think no better example of that is how much was asked of Bobby Price 
I mean, how much has been asked to Bobby Price this this first like what third uh, quarter third of the season so far? Yeah. And this game, he finally played like who it says on he the card. <laughs> As 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 it says on the carton that he is a converted safety playing at corner who is not who was just promoted from the practice squad not long ago, like and he got burned up a little bit in this game, but that's that's to be expected. But it's 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 just showing you that there's still a lot of holes on this with guys like him. And then the other side of it is like there's still guys like Will Harris who suck. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't want to be too mean on him, but this was yeah, once again, I feel like every game we've done so far this season, I've had to say this wasn't a good game for Will Harris. There's there's always seems to be at least one or two plays where it's just like obvious Will Harris messed up. And, you know, last week, I think a lot of us blamed Will Harris when it was actually Bobby's prices falls on the fourth and 19. And I, I'm with you. Like, I don't what what good is there in me jumping on the Will Harris sucks? Like, you guys know it. he's not playing well. I don't need to re- say it. The, the point being that the, the secondary is young, the secondary is bad, the secondary is making a lot of mistakes. And here's the key part, and, and one that I think is interesting moving forward, is that Dan Campbell set, has said it all offseason, mistakes are okay as long as you don't impre- uh, in, uh, as long as you don't uh, get it out. D- repeat them. There's the word. As there long as go. you don't repeat them. Um, he said today they're starting to repeat them. Mm-hmm. And he said that can't happen. There's he he said the words they're starting to hurt us, and so this is this is that brutal honesty that we've seen from Dan Campbell a couple times, which usually comes right before he drops the hammer on someone, right? Like he said it about Jamie Collins, dropped the hammer on Jamie Collins. He said it about Tyrell Tyrell Crosby. He said it at, at a time about Logan Stenberg, and and so we might see more and we might see more changes in the secondary. And I say more changes is because they're making some changes. Last week. They they bring in um, the other safety that I can't remember right now. AJ Parker. This week, they, no, no, no. Um, oh no, no, I, I'm I'm seeing corners. My bad. That's yeah, yeah. Hot. But this week they bring in Daryl Worley, a, a veteran corner, and they yeah. put him at safety. And apparently he's been practicing at safety. We don't get to see that because we don't, you know, see the past, you know, past the first 15 minutes of practice. The lines are trying new things because they are getting hurt by their secondary. They are leaving wide open receivers here and there. And Justin Fields did a great job of, of, you know, fitting some balls into tight windows, but a lot of times he didn't even have to because that secondary is just a mess right now. And it's, and it's nobody's fault, right? Like who are you supposed to get mad at right now in the secondary, except for Will Harris? Um, the, the corners are young. The corners aren't supposed to be starting. Bobby Price is supposed to be a special teamer. Um, you know, AJ Parker even like wasn't great in this game either. And, but like, that's an undrafted rookie you're starting. And I know we were all excited that the lion, that this guy, maybe the lions had found a diamond in the rough, but he's still an undrafted rookie. The lions lost their number one corner. They lost their number three corner, their number two corner going into training camp, had a personal issue and never rejoined the team after that. Like this team got absolutely depleted at cornerback right off the bat. And we're starting to see the, you know, the fallout of that. And, I think we're going to see some more changes, maybe at the cornerback position, because like I said, Dan Campbell kind of kind of said some interesting things post game that really suggests um, maybe some changes are, are going to be made. And I'm, I'm curious maybe, as to maybe what, some what, changes, what, what, yeah. what can they do is, is the problem. Yeah, yeah, like, that, I was going to say, like, maybe some changes, but they're running out of options. Like yeah. yep. it's once again, it's between a bad situation, but so are all the alternatives. Right. Is, it seems to be the theme of the day, especially when it comes to that. Probably the worst news that was received actually deals with, with you know, the, the, the pass rush and that right. 
there is an apparent Achilles injury to Romeo Aquara suffered in this game. Yeah. Um, one of the two big injuries, I think we, we talked about Frank Rat. We, we haven't talked about Frank Ragnow. Frank Rag, Frank Rag, ooh, I can talk. Frank Ragnow got hurt in this game too. And it sounds like he might miss a little bit of time, but yep, toe not injury. As, toe injury, yeah. which is lingering. It's, it's not going to put him out, but you know, Aquara, if it is Achilles, same as Akuda season over season over. And that's your pass rush right there, baby. That's well, rough. yeah. And it's, it's a frustrating situation because the other part of the defense that like you can excuse the secondary sucking. Like, I, I don't know how you could not excuse the secondary sucking because all we the know that they suck. All, we know. We, and we suck. knew, yeah, we knew coming in, they were probably going to struggle. Um, the front seven, especially after last week against Baltimore, there was hope for them. And, they came out this game and just let this bears offensive line that had been dragged through the mud for, for the last week's performance and let them out physical them. But David Montgomery run all over them. And that to me was a huge disappointment. And that speaks to maybe some bigger issues. I don't think the linebacker play was pretty good in this game. I thought Jalen Reeves may have been struggled. I didn't see a ton of Derek Barnes in this game. And then the interior guys, like I, I didn't see them stuffing up the middle too much. Um, By the way, this was this was the amazing Derek Barnes unveiling here. Well, yeah, I mean, today and, and last week. And, and I yeah. mean, what have what have we seen from Derek Barnes? And and I again, I think we, we tried to warn Collins everyone, problems. right? Like didn't solve the Jamie Collins problems. We tried to warn everybody when when it was clear they were moving on from Jamie Collins. Like Derek Barnes isn't going to come in here and just fix everything. He'll make mm-hmm. some splash plays here and there, but he's going to make rookie mistakes. And we're seeing him make some rookie mistakes. I think coverage from the linebacker crew wasn't an issue in this game. It was run, no. run defense. And that was a huge disappointment. But then like that leads to pass rush, which I mean, yeah, it, it's that's, tough. that's where, that's where I really got disappointed here because I, I taught, oh, we, we talked about this and like, this was one of the big things I was looking for coming to the game is that late in that Ravens game last week, they showed a lot of exotic packages. They showed yep. some very effective blitz. They showed some very effective ways to get after the passer. That all vanished on sun, Sunday against the Bears. That it, wasn't there. It did and it didn't. It, because it, it, when it was there, it was not effective. Well, I, I would push back a little there. The problem is, and, and I mentioned this at the top, like the Lions aren't getting into passing situations. Their run uh-huh. defense is so bad that they're facing, they're, they're very, very, they're barely ever facing third downs. Because, and, and when they are, it's third and short. And when that happens, you can't dial up blitzes because they'll run it right by you. They'll run a screen pass, whatever. This team is actually very good in third downs. Again, they stopped them seven of eight times on third down. Problem is they just don't get into great third down situations enough. They just don't. And when they do, like they dialed up some really good blitzes that were effective in this game. But they just can't get there. They just can't get there with the interior defense killing them, with the linebackers not tackling. Um, it was just, it was really frustrating to see because that's th- that's how this team is going to win on defense, is they need to stop the run. They need to force third and longs, and they need their ba- pass rush to get there. And of course, bringing this back to where the conversation started, now that pass rush isn't as good. Because now you likely have lost your best pass rusher, Romeo Quara, for the season. And the positive spin on that is, hey, the season was lost already. Let's see more of Julian Quara. Let's see what he's got. And, and that's probably what you're going to see. That's probably what you're going to get. And, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. But, you know, with Trey Flowers already out in this game, with Romeo Quara, like, 
it's no surprise that the edges weren't great in this game because, I mean, they, they weren't great at stopping the run. They, they got some pressure to Justin Fields. And again, part of that is, I mean, he only dropped back and passed it 17 times. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you supposed to do there? You can't, you can't sack him on, on plays he's running the ball. And so it was just, I don't know. It was, it was, it was not a great situation for the Lions front seven. And now with, with Romeo Quaragon, it's, it's, it's a little bleaker. I, I, you kind of hope maybe it can be a next man up attitude and, and like the Lions seem to perform okay without Trey Flowers. Maybe once Trey Flowers is back, they can perform okay without Romeo Aquara, but that's a huge loss. That's a huge gut punch. And, and like Ryan mentioned at our, uh, in our post game show, the, the, the worst thing about it is Achilles injuries are killers. They're killers. And, yeah, and they, we they might just, not have just, it kills your ability to turn. It kills your ability yeah. to make, kind of quick cuts that you need and even at linebacker like that really hurts for cornerback linebacker still has those same kind of demands especially if you're going to be coverage too sure like, and just, it's just brutal I, and it, it's one thing to hurt the team this year it's another to hurt the team down the future and yeah. that's that's what we have to worry about with jeff okuda that's now what we have to worry about romeo aquara we don't know if these guys are the now going to be money into romeo aquara yeah we don't know if they're going to be ready for next year. This is a a rehab that can sometimes take over a year. And so that means, I mean, I I would say there's a pretty damn good chance both Jeff Okuda and Romeo Quar will not be involved in OTAs next year. That puts them behind the eight ball right away. If they're even ready to go at the start of the season. So it's that that's the disheartening part about all of this. All of these injuries is like, listen, if it makes them suck more this year, whatever. We already know it's a lost year in terms of competing for a playoff spot. Um, and it, and in turn, if it gives us a better draft position, whatever. But it, once it starts hurting you next year, that's when it really, really sucks. And that's 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 why it's horrible to see yeah. Okwara go down. It, it's, it, that's probably the deepest pain from this game is going to yeah. have to deal with that long term. Um, I think we've covered pretty much the entire game. So it's on to the Vikings. Um, if there's going to be one thing I want to see the lions work on more besides maintaining what's left of their health, it's probably just getting the offense consistent. Yep. I think at this point, like the, the defense is what it is and it's losing personnel. Like there's no real help for that right now. Offense at the very least, like we we've harped on it enough. I think we talk more on the offense just because like, look, we see the flashes there. We just need more out of it, man. We just need 100%. more of it. So we'll see what happens with the Vikings on. on <laughs> Unfortunately, on you're coming into a, a Vikings team that gave up 14 points this week and 17 last week. Defense is starting to catch yeah. on over there in the mini, so it's not going to be an easy test. Yeah. And unfortunately, the, I mean, the Vikings problem has always been their offense, which I mean, hey, it's good. This is this might be chicken soup for Kirk Cousins, which will suck. They got some weapons over there. They do. They do. You have Dalvin Cook running down your throat. All right. Well, I think that's it. Um, hopefully this wasn't too depressing. <laughs> listen, we, we have a listen. long season ahead of us. We, we like watching this team. Uh, we're not going to tell you to give up and stop watching. We're just telling you like, man, it might be hard sometimes, but that's why I like to shit post. This is an I, experiment. I'm, I'm still a fan of the coaching staff. That's all I want to say. I'm yeah, still a fan of the coaching I, I, staff. I, I don't believe. see why anyone wouldn't be. And that, I mean, that, that should be all the optimism you honestly need right now, because we, we are all in agreement. This team isn't talented. So if the coaches are coaching them up and, and making them look good at times and getting them in ball games, even if it is super late in games, well, 
then at least the thing that should be working is working. I just want to chart the exit of Jared Goff from Detroit at some point. I want to, I want to chart that and be able to tell that to my children. Just kidding. I'm never going to have children. Are you kidding me? Not putting anyone on this blasted earth. Um, all right. For myself, I'm Christopher Fett. Uh, and that's Jeremy Reisman at Detroit Online. Uh, this has been a fun one. We'll try to we'll try to find some more funny next time because I we didn't even talk about how funny that fumble was. I'm sorry. That was like top five fumbles I've seen for the Detroit Lions. Don't ask me to rank those. I will not do a list cast. We will see you star side. Get out of here. for this episode has come from eBay. You know real when you feel it. And with eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you don't have to wonder. You know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be checked by experts and verified authentic. Maybe it's a designer handbag, sneakers that pop, jewelry that shines as bright as you do. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal Visit ebay.com for terms. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.